There's no doubt that small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Peter Neer and Casey Pruden to talk about business and service transformation and the importance of partnerships, both in the nonprofit sector and in your business. So Peter Neer is National Director of Technology for Digital Solutions Provider VMware Canada, and he's a thought leader on topics such as data center modernization and infrastructure security. As part of the Canadian enterprise technology landscape for nearly 20 years, Peter has held a number of leadership positions, including delivery of large enterprise transformation projects and leading global product management teams. Peter is passionate about leveraging the intersection of technology to drive business impact. Casey Pruden made a decision early in his life to focus on the application of technology to improve people's lives and enable increased independence. He joined Community Living Toronto in 1991 to work with children with intellectual disabilities, and soon after he joined the IT team. He's currently Director of Information Technology, supporting community living through a digital transformation. Through various provincial initiatives, he also supports broader technical transformation within the Ontario developmental sector. So Peter and Casey, welcome to our show. Thanks, Thanks for having us, very Rick. much. What are the most important things that you hope entrepreneurs can take away from our conversation today? So uh, I think uh, from my perspective with Community Living Toronto um, and also supporting my wife starting up a small business that, you know, the, the landscape of solutions out there that are available through SaaS-based or software as a service, they've, they've now reached a level of maturity and functionality that regardless of the size of a business, agencies or companies can quickly and effectively deploy technologies that once upon a time not too long ago weren't available uh, and can now compete against uh, other competing organizations of, of any size. Uh, likewise, I think that uh, we've previously looked at solutions 
which we couldn't afford in a cap with a capital outlay, but these SaaS solutions have enabled us to unlock the, uh, and get into to systems that we wouldn't have been able to. Beautiful, Peter. Yeah, I I think one of the um, one of the interesting aspects of of some of the story we'll tell later is uh, the, just the need to adapt. You know, the the market is going to throw different things at you. You need to be able to react quickly, adapt, change your plans, change how you can leverage the skill sets you're good at. And then uh, a really big thing that, uh, that I learned in the last year working with community living was leverage the network of, of tech entrepreneurs around you as well when you get into these really challenging situations. Very cool. Can you tell me um, what you mean by the, the network of tech entrepreneurs who are around you? What does that mean? Yeah, so I, having been in tech for a while myself, I just I've gotten to know a lot of different people, and uh, and when I say got to know, I would say genuinely developed friendships and partnerships with with different people across the Canadian IT community. And uh, when Casey and I were initially talking about the the need for them to adapt Community Living Toronto's way of working to something completely different. Um, one of the first things I did was I, I took his list of challenges and thought, who in my network do I know that can help with these things? And I was surprised is the wrong word. I was, I was thrilled that when I reached out to my network and said, hey, there's, there's this not-for-profit in Toronto looking to adapt, I think you could really help with X. Every single one of them said, yes, let me know how I can help. And I connected them with Casey and, and, and we made a difference as a tech community within a matter of, of days and weeks uh, to how community living reacted to the pandemic. That's interesting because, um, I mean, that really resonates with me because I think so many of us have a network that we don't reach out to. You know, we share pictures of our puppies on Facebook, but how often do we really say, hey, can you help me with this or that? Do you know someone who has experience with this? And, and I think it is a resource uh, at our fingertips that we're not uh, maximizing. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I, I think the fantastic thing with, the, with what Peter was able to support us with is it wasn't connecting us to sales. It was connecting us to people with, with really good knowledge, experience, and it was supporting us through the process, not necessarily selling us, which helped us tremendously. Right, right. Okay, let, let, let's give our... Listeners, a little more background about each of you. So Casey Pruden, can you tell us a little bit more about Community Living in Toronto and, and what its mission is? Yep. so uh, Community Living Toronto was founded in 1948 uh, and it, it came out of a group of mothers that were meeting and uh, in the basement of a church and they went and, and they started to advocate for their children uh, to make sure that they got access to the supports that they needed, education, um, etc. And today... Uh, we have a number of different service offerings from, you know, at the beginning of life to the end of life. Uh, and we look at supporting people living within the community, participating within their community, uh, supporting them in their community, however that might be, and then also looking at employment supports. And in the new era, uh, we've also got a new team that's looking at digital project or products uh, to help people get access to services. We have about 90 locations across the GTA and about 1,200 to 1,500 active employees uh, across uh, the GTA area. 
Right. And I presume that you, the, the, the Community Living Toronto has sort of similar sister organizations, not, not related to, to CLT, but uh, similar organizations doing, driving similar missions across Canada. Yeah, so community living is a is a bigger entity. So there's a community living uh, Canada, which goes across all of the provinces, and then each province has a lobbying uh, association. So community living Ontario, and they they work for. Pre predominantly with the uh, provincial government and then each area within Ontario jurisdictions has community livings as well. So and you joined community living early on to work with children my notes say here and yes. then you got into technology do you feel that's brought you closer to, the, to that overall mission or are you hiding away in the basement there? No, no, I, I think that was a huge advantage. So I, I've been involved with Community Living Toronto all my life. Uh, I'm a third generation that's worked here. Um, but it, I think the advantage is I brought a lens and an understanding of the service and then was able to take my technology background. So I was going through university at the time for computer science. And then when I graduated, uh, I, was be, I was able to take those two worlds and bring them together of how we could start to leverage technology and these things called personal computers. Uh, and uh, how they, they could help the, the agency as well as uh, our services. Man, I remember personal commuters. <laughs> Just that yes. phrase somehow takes me back. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, I mean, as an agency, we've come so far uh, when we look at, you know, at that personal computer sitting on desks to products from VMware that we've recently deployed that, you know, now allow us to send a iPad or a desktop to somebody's home and they just turn it on and it starts to work uh, connected and configured the way that we want it. Uh, wow. It's it's amazing what technology uh, can do now. And that's a great uh, segue then into Peter's story. So tell us a little bit more about VMware for those of us who don't know about it or don't understand the beauty of cloud computing and stuff like that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, VMware um, is a, a large tech company based in California, but also with a really large presence here in Canada. Um, we kind of became famous for virtualized computing and, and taking data centers and, and making them into, you know, fully automated private clouds. Um, and we've done that. We now have about 85% market share in Canada. So if you're working in, in data centers or servers or private cloud in Canada, you're, you're probably working with VMware. Um, but now actually we spend most of our time working with Canadian organizations uh, on a few different things. The biggest one is, is moving towards public cloud or, or in many cases a hybrid cloud model. So a little bit on premise and a little bit in, in public cloud. Uh, and then over the last year, uh, certainly have seen a, a, an increased focus in everything we do around work from anywhere. Uh, and that, that really is to, to let Canadians from any background, any vertical, any you know big or small organization work from home. Uh, and, and that has obviously been a, a big focus of, of Canada in the last year and therefore a big focus of ours as well. Right, and just tell me a little bit about you. How did you get to your current position as National Director of Technology for VMware? Yeah, there's, there's a, a long story there. The abbreviated version of it is uh, I, I started out um, uh, with uh, one of the largest companies in the world after getting my computer science degrees and, and decided, you know what, I kind of want to be a little bit more startup-y. And, <laughs> and I joined a startup uh, after a year with, the, with one of the largest companies in the world and, and um, 
in, enjoyed that and then went to another um, kind of a, a spin-off, a company that was a startup culture and kind of throughout my career, um, enjoyed that startup feeling, but I also like doing it under the umbrella of, of an organization that has um, some resources to do things big. And so uh, the company I was with was, was absorbed into OpenText, which is a big Canadian software company. Uh, and then uh, my journey took me to, to VMware, which is uh, just an, an amazing company with a, a fantastic people first culture. Um, that that I enjoy. And, and one of the things that I, I really love about my job at VMware right now is we are connected to every single company and every single government in Canada. And so when we do something, whether it be a, a project with a customer or some of the, the community-focused volunteer initiatives we have, we really have an impact on the country, which is, uh, which is a nice thing you can do with, with scale. Right. So let's close the loop here. Casey, how did you meet Peter? How did Community Living get together with VMware? So Peter was was connected first to our CEO, I think uh, Brad uh, Saunders, who was a director of one of our regions at the time. Uh, Brad connected us just uh, with Peter and myself. Uh, we were just starting to look at a strategic plan on where the association was going to go with technology. We had been stagnant for a number of years and all of these new cloud systems were coming out. Um, and you know what, for an agency where we have to be really careful of how we spend our money, uh, Peter quickly connected uh, and shortly after, uh, started chairing a new commit, uh, technology committee that we put together. Uh, and we've just, we've gone from there. So Peter helped us put together our first um, digital strategy uh, to modernize our infrastructure and then set the foundation for our digital transformation, which we're just uh, uh, starting with now. Very cool. And thank you for doing that, Peter. That's, a, that, that's incredible that you'd spend so much time doing that and, and, and commit to that kind of work. Yeah, I, I love it. And just to add in there, that's, that there's kind of the network side of things, right? This is where, where Brad was thinking, hey, I want to do something different with my organization. I think tech needs to play a bigger part in it and uh, reached out to his network and said, hey, can, can you help me out? And, and just the timing worked out well because I, I had recently joined VMware and VMware encourages all of the employees to, to do community service and, and we are encouraged and rewarded for doing community service. I thought, yeah, this will, this would be great. And so everything I was doing at the time really had nothing to do with VMware. It was actually just community service, leveraging tech skills. Uh, and um, it, it's actually interesting for me because it put me in the shoes of, of a customer who has to make really tough decisions. And, and as somebody who's worked uh, on a vendor side, on primarily on the sales side of things, you're usually telling people why they need to get your stuff, and and sitting in the shoes of of uh, Casey essentially to say, hey, what are the goals of the organization, and what are the top three things that we must do to hit those goals? It, it lets you focus in very quickly on the fact that you know priorities number four through 10 are important, but you've really got to focus on one, two, and three first if you want to hit your organization's goals. So I, it was a great learning experience for me as well in those early days of, of changing hats to, to think from the perspective of an organization trying to make change. Right. I mean, we, we hear all the time, get closer to your customer, put yourself in your customer's shoes, see things from, from, from the customer's point of view, hear the voice of the customer, 
and you did that almost accidentally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it, it was really interesting, right? And and um, I remember some of those early days uh, because we we're we we're dealing kind of at a board level. Um, it, the the push really is, you know, there's a core mission that Community Living Toronto has, and that's to support people living in the community. And and there wasn't a whole lot of patience at a board level for talking about things like how are we going to host our mail server and things like because that's that doesn't drive forward the mission of the organization things that drive forward the mission of the organization are, are truly new ideas that can help somebody living in the community have a better life experience and so kind of had to make that shift from um you know what are the things that are just kind of day-to-day keeping the lights on versus things that are going to move the needle for how you support people in the community. And can you tell us, I mean, has that actually helped your ability to have empathy, to sell more in the rest of your job, to advise your people, to mentor your people? Absolutely. It has, right. It's, um, it's something that I, I share with as many people as I can now that, you know, sitting in the shoes of, of a customer and, uh, and understanding that the challenging decisions you have to make um, really, it changes the conversations that I would have with all of my customers as well, because uh, everybody's thinking this way, whether you're a big bank or you are a, a nonprofit, you're focusing on the end goal of the organization and you want to do it as efficiently as you possibly can. So it has changed my perspective for sure. Just to add to that, um, I, I think from a customer's perspective, one of the interesting things, uh, I've worked with a lot of large companies, um, global companies, and as a customer for a not-for-profit, it, it's amazing how quickly you will pick up on the value system of the company that you're connecting with. And I think that that's the one thing that Peter's really talking to about right now is the value system of VMware is completely different than, you know, the value system of some of the other agencies that are there about sales and driving more profit. Um, and those are the type of companies that I feel make a huge difference in our communities um, and for Canada as a whole as well. And that's where those strong connections can come from. So, uh, and people go to companies that have those value matches. So I think it's really important for a business to think about that, you know, what are our values and, and what's going to drive us. Do you think that collaborations like these, whether they start with intent or, or come together, you know, bit by bit, can they affect those values as, as, as Peter say, is learning from you by chairing a committee for community living? Does that end up somehow getting back to and influencing the culture of those other companies? Are we seeing, you know, some, something where we're, we're growing together? Ab absolutely. Um, uh, you know, as you move higher in an organization, you know, your influence and how you interact with, with your customers and how you expect your teams to interact just organically, I think, starts to grow and, and move out. Like within Community Living Toronto, looking at the different teams, I mean, each team has its own value sets. And I think that, you know what, as a leader, if, if you're pushing that, it's going to just organically grow within an organization um, and you, you can end up there. Yeah, and I think that's exciting because, I mean, I've, I spend a lot of time advising entrepreneurs, you know, who are your customers? What do you really know about them? What, what keeps them awake at night? How can you get closer to them? Um, but I hadn't really seen that there's this third dimension of not just the knowledge that you gain by working more closely with them, by hiking in their shoes, 
but by building that relationship, developing empathy, and uh, that that both sides can grow and learn more about each other, and uh, and and that empathy can turn into something entirely new. Absolutely, a, a business is a is a living thing uh, that that will change and adapt over time, or needs to change and adapt over time. Right. So, Casey, I presume that. Uh, like a lot of the startups that might be listening to this podcast, that you have an unlimited budget at Community Living Toronto for technology? <laughs> oh, no, not, not at all. So, so that's probably one of the things that we struggle with the most. So as a government-funded uh, agency, we have a cap on the amount of our budget that we can actually spend to technology. So it's really a... a we need to focus on looking at, you know, what, what is the biggest value for our spend? Uh, and technology is absolutely required, but making sure that we get the right technology uh, in at the right time, because we're spending not only, you know, what our budget to acquire these, but resources uh, and capacity at that point too. So right. uh, very little budget for technology compared to many other organizations. So what have you learned about juggling that budget in order to make it work as hard as you can for you? Contract management. <laughs> it's really important. And uh, as we just talked about, finding companies and partners that are there for more, for a partnership, more than just a sale. Uh, because that's I'm looking for long-term investments that companies that I can grow with and that at the same time understand that, you know what, we don't have unlimited funds and it's not about, it, it's not so much about, you know what, making the sale as getting that long-term uh, customer who's also going to spread word and bring on other people as well. Okay, so, so tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how you guys work together. Do you have a, uh, can you talk a little bit about the partnership that has done so much for community living toronto so from from our perspective uh as i i talked a little bit before you know I, I, and we just talked about money and 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 spending uh making sure that we're connected with people who you know what have that skill set and experience and and that was exactly where peter came from is peter has you know what this global um, experience with these large, large companies, but also from the startup perspective. Uh, and I think just we, we hit it off very quickly. He was willing to, to be available when he could uh, and work with us and invest the time. And I think it just organically grew uh, from there. Peter, how did it look from your side? It, it was... I'd say accelerated this year. And I, I've enjoyed the, the work that I've done with, with community living. Um, you know, a lot of it was very advisory. And, and here's the plan that we should do. Here's how we want to implement it. Here's why you might want to think about it compared to the, the organization uh, peers, those sorts of things. And, um, but I, I, I didn't feel like I was necessarily able to connect to, to being a game changer within the organization, right? This kind of felt like it was, you know, helping, but not not necessarily core. And so we did a lot of things like we'd bring the entire team out to to help renovate a camp that Community Living Toronto manages in, in Toronto. And, and that was a great team get together, all those sorts of things. Sorry, sorry, really sorry to tell, tell, tell me more about this. You got sure. a team of people from VMware to come in and do like manual labor and build a community. Yes. <laughs> That's, that? Come on. Oh, sure. Lead. <laughs> so it was one of the things where, um, we were we were actually looking for opportunities to to bring the team together 
um, you know, everyone in our team, because of the corporate culture, really is is excited to get out and, and help the community. But getting uh, that together in a way that everybody can can participate can sometimes be challenging. And so, several years ago, I reached out to um, one of Casey's peers at Community Living and said, "Hey, have you?" do you have anything that my team could get involved in if I wanted to bring out like you know, 20, 30 people? And, uh, and they said, yeah, well, yeah, we've got this camp. And they connected me to the, the camp director. And it's actually become an annual thing now where um, my team just absolutely loves getting out uh, to the camp in May before you know, they open up for the, the summer season. And the camp director is, is shocked at, at just how keen <laughs> the VMware team is. People show up with like vans full of power tools and, uh, and, and we're, we're ready to go. It's not, you know, Hey, put a, a coat of paint on that thing. It's, it's tear down that front porch and rebuild it. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so this has become our thing now every spring and we have, we weren't able to do it this year because of uh, restrictions here in Ontario. Uh, but every spring the team really looks forward to doing that. Uh, and, uh, and, and to pivot a little bit, I think everyone, at least at VMware, but a lot of community-minded people I, I work with in general, we're feeling like, hey, I, now that we're locked down, we're not allowed to do these hands-on things, how do we help? And, and especially those of us whose uh, you know, superpower is, is behind a keyboard, it's like, well, what can I do now, right? And, and so the, the pivot there for, was when, when Casey uh, called and said, hey, we, need to, we really need to like dive in. This plan that we had for five years needs to happen in five weeks. That, that's when you almost, you know, you, I felt like Clark Kent ripping open the, the shirt and say, hey, <laughs> that's my superpower. I, I could do something. And, and um, so we went from you know, doing some of the, these manual labor things, which are very helpful to the organization, to... It, but honestly, I'm not very good at it. <laughs> Don't measure any of my angles. But then to going to something I'm actually good at, which is which is tech, and and then calling on that network to to get them up and running in a secure way with with Zoom. And and that was just me calling the people at VMware saying, Hey, would you be willing to volunteer some time to to help a, a community organization who needs to suddenly become all Zoom? lock Zoom down so it's safe. And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. And somebody from Palo Alto jumped in and helped out and then reached out to another organization. Hey, this, all their files are in cabinets in a basement somewhere that they're not allowed to get to. Can you help them you know, get some strategy on how to deal with that? And another person who was a former partner that I worked with, with Locust Systems said, yeah, absolutely, we're in. Let us know how we can help. And then from, from VMware's perspective, I, I called a bunch of technical people at VMware, said, hey, can we, can we help them go from you know uh, one computer in the office that they can no longer access to a thousand devices anywhere that everybody can get access to their stuff on and, and my team internally was like yeah we can do that no problem so th that was the pivot for me of, of all right I'm, I'm, I'm my superpower is useful now yay and I'll, I'll go back to being useless again next year but for this year <laughs> it's useful bring your own you know uh, disk sander or something and then you can just Help out wherever you want. Casey, can you t tell us a little bit more about this mission where uh, we have a five-year plan, now we have to do it in five weeks. Uh, this, this was a, a plan for communication within the organization uh, because of COVID? So we, we had a five-year plan that was going to rejuvenate or revitalize all of our technology. We were going to start to figure out how we could leverage technology to better support um, people. 
And overnight, uh, our, our services were almost predominantly done in person. So we would either visit somebody or people would come to our locations. Uh, and so with, within 24 hours, we now had to pivot and figure out, you know what, one, how do we get technology to every worker within the agency that's now working at home because they were using shared devices before. Um, but just as important, how do we get technology to the people within our services? Uh, because they're living at means in most cases that they can't afford technology. Um, and we need to make sure that we can con continue to connect with them uh, because one, they're now isolated uh, within their communities. Uh, and that's where we, we contacted Peter and, you know, how do we start to deploy this meant this much technology? We doubled the number of assets or end user devices uh, over two months. And how do we manage that in a manual process? We just, we couldn't do it. So it was how is technology uh, going to leverage us to get technology to people? And then how are we also gonna utilize that technology to provide, you know what, service and make sure that people are safe uh, and still connected? It, can, can, can you take us to the end user now at, the, at sort of the far end of this transformation? How have their lives changed because of yeah, so uh, looking at it now, um, the majority of, of our staff now have a dedicated machine that they can leverage. Uh, there's, you know what, we spent huge, with 90 locations across the agency, uh, you know what, Teams and Zoom is the go-to for connecting. Uh, we look at uh, a new ERP CRM that we're going to be deploying. Uh, all of the information that they require is going to be there with them. So looking at the next phase, when you know what, we are now starting to meet people in the community, having a technology in their hand, being able to, to meet with that person, capture notes, um, get them connected to whatever services they need to and being able to do it real time with that person versus, you know, what, taking everything down on paper, going back to the office and then retranscribing everything. Uh, where we have now gotten to and we will be going to over the next year is a complete reversal. Uh, efficiency and process driven. Sorry, a, a reversal of what? A reversal of how they worked previously. So, you know what, having to take notes on paper to now, you know what, having information real time available to them. Right. We don't call that reversal. We call it evolution. Evolution. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure about that. Yeah. Um, what comes next in this partnership? Do you have some more ideas, Peter? Yeah. So there's, there's a few things that, that we'll continue to do. For me, it's going to be what's, what's the mission? Uh, and what are, what's the next set of challenges and, and how can we help? In, in some cases, we'll be able to help through that network uh, that we can bring to bear. In some cases, it'll be direct help with VMware. Uh, you know, the, the natural next question that an organization like Community Living would be experienced is, is probably around security. And you'll see that in Canada, that with everybody working at home and, and most of those work at home things being, being new, to organizations, your attack surface for bad actors just increased a thousandfold. And so the next conversation will likely be, okay, how do we make sure that we're as, as secure as we possibly can be there? So that'll be maybe a next technology step. But, uh, you know, we actually, as a, as a technology committee, 
I think we'll want to get back into some of the, the longer term plans that we had as well around using things like, like video to, to help people, um, help one service worker support multiple people at the same time and just expand the scale of impact that community living can have. And, and now that we've got a lot of the, the devices and the cameras and the technology and, and, and much of the security in place, those things that for us were kind of future ideas now become just tweaks to the, the plan. And, uh, and so I think that'll be something that we want to dive into next as well. Very cool. Absolutely agree. And when we talk about security, obviously there's a whole client confidentiality aspect here that's probably the most important part, not just securing it from theft, but making sure that only the right people see every note, every bit of documentation that goes back and forth. Absolutely. Uh, education uh, is going to be critical um, as, as well as Peter was talking about. You know, security is at the forefront now for us of, you know, we've got this brand new environment that's completely different. We had, you know, at a locked door at the, at the front and we could control everything behind the front door. Uh, we now have just a multitude of access points. Uh, and as we know that we hear every week about ransomware and things like that, uh, that, that this is becoming critical. Right. Casey, can you share one more example of, you know, technology transformation that, 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 that you've, uh, witnessed at community living over the past year or so one more cool technology um evolution that yeah. our, our listeners might like to hear about so uh, from a service delivery perspective um setting that foundation of now being able to you know what connect with families in their own home uh not having not them not having to come to us but leveraging video uh, has been absolutely a game changer for us. Uh, it will allow us to continue to be more supportive of people because they can now reach out to us real time. And video brings an amazing new uh, dimension to a conversation versus a phone or, or via a uh, email. Can you tell me a little the, bit more about that? What, what makes video so much more So powerful? it's... Yeah, when when you're thinking about some of the people that we're we're supporting, um, they're living right between the uh, right at the edge of poverty. Uh, we're we're dealing with mental illness uh, as well in some cases with dual diagnosis, and you know what? You can be talking to somebody on the phone, and you know what? Saying, Do you know what, John? How are you feeling today? And you hear on the phone, "Oh, I'm feeling okay," but when you can now see the person and understand. Now, how they're feeling from a, uh, a physical perspective, because I can now visually see, you know, they're not taking care of themselves or, you know, what their, their facial features or the, the way they're, they're expressing themselves uh, physically is very different than just the words that you're hearing. Likewise, I think another huge advantage will be that, you know, you have somebody out in community who may be, you know, having uh, an anxiety attack, for example, is lost. You can now connect with that person, look at them, help calm them down, but now you can see around and help direct them as well. So it's, it's just a brand new level uh, of being able to, you know, support somebody from a distance. I didn't think this was going to be such a feel-good story. I get a warm feeling listening to you guys and talking about how technology is 
very much making it more effective and easier to 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 serve people who, who are in need and making their experience so much better. So that, 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 that that's very it, exciting to hear. Thank you both. It it absolutely is. I mean, one of our our end goal is you want people living as independently as possible and technology that we now have and we've acquired and we've we've we're starting to leverage takes us to a brand new level of of what independence can be for an individual. That's very exciting. Um, let me ask you, Peter, just to, before we close out here, um, how would you suggest that any other businesses who are interested in, you know, creating partnerships with nonprofit or, or, or community groups, how do you get started doing that? What do you look for in a partner? I'll, I'll point you in a few directions. Um, one of the best kind of hubs for the nonprofit community in tech is TechSoup. And so uh, make sure if you are an entrepreneur who wants to have your technologies available to nonprofits, either uh, at a very steep discount or, or for free for nonprofits, TechSoup is the organization that kind of consolidates those things for that intersection. So take a look at TechSoup and, and, and there, I'm sure TechSoup has some people who can help onboard your technologies there. Um, the other side of it is, uh, in many cases, just ask. I, there are a lot of not-for-profits around you every day, and they're all looking for help. Uh, and and I think that it, it can be tough sometimes just to call up, you know, one eight hundred community living and say, "Hey, how can I help?" But if you you look to the people around you who who either have uh, direct involvement in a not-for-profit themselves, or they have family or friends who are supported by a not-for-profit. And just asking, hey, how can I help? Here's here's something I can do, and and how can I help your community? I, I find this this community tends to be um, you know people to people connections in a lot of cases, and and getting connected to a person who can connect you to another person who can then say, yeah, I could absolutely use your help here. I think that's the the realistic way to start to get connected to some of these organizations. I'm going to ask Casey to correct me on that. Casey, what's you? You're a little closer to this community. Are there ways for people to say, "Hey, here are my skills. How can I help?" No, I, I think you really hit it there, Peter. It's it's you know what, talking to people, um, getting connected in an informal way is usually uh, the fastest and and quickest. Uh, going to, I mean, once you get connected to an organization, going to understand a little bit more about, you know, the company through their website and stuff, but personal connection really is the, the number one way that uh, we've ended up connecting with people. Casey, if any of our listeners to the Startup Canada podcast want to get involved in the, the, the mission of community living um, in any community across Canada, how would you suggest they go about that? I think personally and from, you know, from their business perspective, you know what, really thinking about and living the values of what CLTO is about, you know, community, integration, supporting the rights of people with, with intellectual disabilities. Uh, and just as important, I think, when we talk about those values, welcoming people with disabilities, you know, into their communities, into their organizations. Uh, and I think it's also a piece of, you know, teaching our kids uh, the, about the, the same sort of values and, you know, being a good neighbor. Uh, there's always opportunity for volunteering 
So, you know, at, at CL Toronto through the contact us at cltoronto.ca, uh, we're always looking for people to, you know, come in and help out. Uh, and then there's, there's always, if time is limited, there's the opportunity of donation, uh, as, a, as Peter was saying, through things like TechSoup, uh, where you can donate your product or donating personally, uh, financially. Uh, and there's, there's so many different causes that right now we're looking for. And that's to, you know what, to purchase more technology uh, and materials to help people that they may need in their homes to participate. As we head out, we always like to ask our guests if they have one more piece of advice that they can think of, or maybe they've saved up, uh, that you can give advice you can give to entrepreneurs based on your experience that, that they can implement in their business today to, to achieve their goals and become more successful. So, uh, Peter, with uh, your experience in technology and at VMware, have you got uh, a good piece of actionable advice for entrepreneurs? Yeah, just following the conversation that we had today, I would say encourage your organization to get involved in the community. Um, some best practices that I think just have been fantastic from VMware are uh, you know, giving 40 hours a year for people to donate their time. And if they get that time, then you, you recognize it and you reward it. Uh, the reward in our case is you get $1,000 to give to the charity of your choice, which is a fantastic uh, reward. Um, one of the other best practices that I like from VMware is um, we give milestone awards to people, which is the ability to donate money to charities of your choice, right? And so I, I like that best practice as well of saying, you know, congratulations on, on your first year at the company here's $500 um, to donate to somebody. Um, th those are all really good things for your organization. It will, as, as we talked about, it'll give you your people, the ability to, to have experiences in the community that, that diversify how they think about the community and the people that they serve. Uh, and also, it, I, I find that as you're recruiting, people really look for organizations that, that have a soul. And, and if you are able to really, truly dedicate yourself to helping the community and, and bring that to scale across all of your people, it will help you to recruit the best and the brightest in the tech community today. Okay, thank you so much. Casey, do you have one last word of advice for our listeners? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up on the last uh, statement from, from Peter is that, you know what, the social conscience of a business is so important. And I think that will be a strong differentiator uh, moving forward for customers, uh, as well as for the employees that uh, they're going to be looking to acquire. Uh, this has been an, an incredible conversation. I didn't expect to be quite as moved by it as I was and the, the great work that you guys have done together. So congratulations on that. Peter Neer from VMware and Casey Pruden from Community Living Toronto. Thank you so much for your thoughts about partnerships and about really using your networks to make up for the resources that you may not have in-house and the importance of culture and getting everybody involved in, 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 in feel-good programs that not only bring people together, but also create relationships. I've never seen such a good example of a partnership, a business partnership turning into a relationship. So um, thank you so much for sharing that story. And I hope that that relationship continues to thrive and grow. Thank you very much, Rick, for the opportunity. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. 
Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.